You're listening to the Northfield Radio Program, where faith, family, and culture all collide with the biblical worldview. There is a war that's raging for the hearts and the minds and the spirits of men and women. And you and I, as Christians, are on the forefront of that battle. The question is, what will you do? To find out more about the Northfield Radio Program and Caleb Gordon, go to www.calebgordon.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. As always, I want to say thanks to our friends at Outpost Coffee. These guys know what caffeinated beverages should taste like. Check these guys out at outpostcoffeeco.com. So on today's program, I want to talk about something that I found very, very interesting. Uh, Will Smith, uh, his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, has an online, I guess you could say podcast or video podcast type thing that she shares online. And they had um, a couple on there that has now moved into what's called a polyamorous relationship. What this basically means is that there are um, anywhere from three to four people that are involved in this relationship. It's no longer a monogamous relationship where it's just one husband, one wife. It's now two husbands, one wife, or two wives and one husband. And this relationship is called a thruple or, or something of, of like that. So you've got three people that are involved. And I literally had my jaw drop open because I thought maybe they would say same, something like, well, this is, you know, well, I will say this. The grandma who was sitting in the podcast didn't really espouse the view. Say, man, I, I don't think that that's something that we should do. I don't think that's something we should partake in. But the end result was, you know, you love who you love and you can't help who you love and you can't help what you want to do. It's just, you know, this is who we are and this is the thing that, things that we participate in. And that's just how we do things. And I was just like, what was even more sickening was that the Jada had her daughter there and she looked at her mom and said, would you be upset if Willow got involved in a thruple? And everyone looked around and said, no, no. And she goes, I, I may, I might, I could maybe see myself in a thruple. And I literally, it blew my mind. But you know, here's the thing. This is the thing that really is disheartening is we've moved into this world of anything goes sexually. Anything goes. You can say, you can do, you can have whatever. And we're, it's quickly moving. And I said back in 2015 that the moment that we legalize gay marriage, that this is going to be a Pandora's box that will not be able to be shut. And we are seeing that take place now. So from 2015 to 2019, we're beginning to see just in this last year, starting in January, things really have just ramped up to the point where it, it, it's spooky. And to the point where now it's we're, we're trying to um, justify pedophilia. It's okay. Hey, who are you? Who are you to judge who these people love? So what that she's seven or he's seven and they're 40? Really? I, I got a problem with that. <laughs> I've got a big problem with that. But this is the world in which we live now. And this is, this is what happens when you allow 
sexual misconduct to take place in your life. When you start to have an anything goes policy, that that changes the game. That changes everything. And my concern is that we're not even close to seeing how wickedly heinous this can become. Leonard Ravenhill said in his book, Why Revival Terries, that if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to raise Sodom and Gomorrah back up and apologize to that city. Guys, read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Read what happened in the, in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how hellishly atrocious the city was. And it's actually child's play compared to some of the stuff that's taking place in America. Some of the things that are taking place are just as bad or if not worse than the things that took place in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God completely destroyed that city. I just I just watched a video where they 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 believe they found the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and and there's brimstone everywhere. Where, you know, if you remember the text, God literally rained down fire on those cities because of their sinful, wicked behaviors. And they found this they found these structures that are not uh, normal. They look man-made, but they are just in compassed in sulfur and just it's completely just a mess and I think about that and I think about guys the holiness of God is not something to be trifled with the wrath of God is not something to to play around with it is a serious thing it is a a monumental it's huge. And I fear that most people, even people in the church, struggle with the idea of God's wrath and God's holiness because we don't want to think about those things. And honestly, I, th I don't think that we believe that we're actually that sinful or the people around them. And that's, uh, J.D. Greer wrote a, wrote a piece on this, said uh, basically the idea of the reason we don't evangelize is because we believe that most people are going to heaven. And so, and and the idea of the the idea of hell, hell God's not really going to send people to hell, and it's not going to be that bad. And we're not that we're not that sinful. We're not that messed up, guys. I'm telling you, God is holy, and He turned His own back on His own Son. Why in the world would he, why, he, why would he give us a pass when Jesus became sin on our behalf? God the Father turned his back on his own son. So why in the world do we think we're going to get some sort of a special pass? We're not. God will deal with sin swiftly. There's, there's two paths that sin have. Number one, you are going to reap the reward of your sin, which is death. For the wages of sin is death. That's it. Or, secondly, your sin will be paid for by Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood on our behalf, paid for, took our punishment, paid the debt that was owed. It's one of the two things. And I, I just, I don't believe that many people have this grasp in their mind. They don't think about this. They don't think about how powerful our God is and how 
atrocious sin truly is. And so we, we play footsie with sin and we we laugh at these things. I mean, I just watched part of that podcast with um, Jada Pinkett Smith and how they just sort of kind of laughed and thought it was hilarious. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not going to go well for these folks. This isn't going to go well. If left unchecked and unrepented of, hell will be their home. I don't, and I don't say that with a ha ha yay. I say that with fear and trembling in my voice, and and, and a brokenness in my spirit, because I don't want anyone, anyone, to go to hell. I want men and women to find Christ to be sufficient, repent of their sins love him, pursue him, and know him. That's what I long for, is that men and women would know and love Christ more than anything in the world. This is, I guess you could just say, this is sort of kind of a follow-up to last week's broadcast, where I talked about theological liberalism creeping into the world in which we live, into the churches, into our own lives. And here's the thing, I don't, I don't fault Jada Pinkett Smith. She is not a Christian. She's not a follower of Christ. She just sort of kind of, she's spiritual. She's quote unquote religious, but that is not the avenue to everlasting life. In fact, that's Matthew chapter seven. There's a wide gate and a narrow gate. And the wide gate, Satan has a really big banister above the wide gate says, this way to heaven, this way to everlasting life. Satan is the father of lies says you don't have to give anything up. There's no repentance needed. You just come in as you are, and we're not going to judge you. We're going we're gonna to just accept you for who you are. That's what we're going to do. So the scripture says there's a wide gate and there's a narrow gate. And on the wide gate, many people will go there thinking that they are finding their way to uh, everlasting life. And they're going to find their way to a heaven. But at the end of this, the scripture says that this way leads to destruction. And there's another gate that's narrow, and it leads to life everlasting. And it says, scripture says in Matthew 7, that there are very few that find this path. Why? Because it is a tough road to walk. In the world in which we live, living a righteous life is not looked upon as uh, a good thing. Living a biblically-minded life is not something that we, as the world, look on as good and beautiful and holy and right and awesome. It's looked at, oh, you narrow-minded haters. That's what you are. Because you have a moral compass, because you say that this is how we should live our lives, but you're a complete, just, oh, you're a hateful hate monger, and you don't love anyone, really. Well, honestly, that's not the truth because we do love people. We love people to the point where we want to see them know Christ and repent of their sins and find him to be sufficient. That is what we're called to do as Christ followers, to love Jesus so much that we want to see other people come to know him and love him as well. Guys, I am just, I'm burdened for this. This Pandora's box, and I'm telling you, this is, this is the thing that is going to entrap so many people. Sexual sin is the, the big monster that is really swallowing people up. And we're so, we're so entrenched in what we love 
Because, man, there is pleasure in sin for a season. And we're so entrenched in this sin and this junk and the world in which we live that it's tough to give this stuff up. It's hard to give these things up. But we're called to, as Christians, to love Jesus more than we love our sins. And so as if, we, if we truly loved people, then we would pursue God to the point where we want to see other people know him. And I'm not saying be a jerk about it. I'm not, seeing, I'm not saying be hateful about it. I'm simply saying that we need to radiate the love of Christ to those around us. Share often. Talk often about what Jesus has done in your own life. Ex your experience of what Jesus has done. How he's ransomed your heart from your sin. How he's transformed your life from one of sinfulness and wickedness to one of absolute pure joy. That's, that's what's needed, guys. We need men and women who are willing to stand up for the cause of Christ. That's what, that's what we need. I just, I literally, I see the stuff that's going on around us and my heart breaks. My heart breaks for what's happening around us when I see around us because, because we are called to be holy. God says, be holy for I am holy. How do we become holy? Christ's imputed righteousness on our lives. When Christ died on the cross, he became me and I became him. When Jesus died on the cross for me, he took my place. And so what, when God looks at me, he sees Jesus Christ. And so when he sees Jesus, I have imputed righteousness. So therefore, Ephesians 1 says, I'm blameless, I'm holy, and I'm perfect. That's, that's what we're called to do. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just terrified that so many Christians in the world in which we live today are not interested in these things. You know what they're interested in? They're interested in making money, getting further in life, having the bigger house, having acceptance, having whatever. And honestly, because we're so focused on those things, we're not focused on waging war on our sins. And that's where the... The, the shadiness of, of sexual sin creeps in because we're not paying attention. We're not waging war. We're not memorizing and meditating on scripture. We're not holding those things fast into our hearts and our minds. We're just focused on getting ahead. I got to get to the next thing. I got to make this. I got to do this. I got to become great. I got to blah, 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 blah. I got to do this. I got to make that. It doesn't help. That's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to distract you and I to the point where we're not even remotely paying attention and he slips in completely unaware and then just has a field day in our lives to the point where when he leaves, he leaves a wake of just utter destruction. So how is it that we need to wage war on the sin around us? We've got to pay attention. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That, that's you. That's me. He's looking for someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So, guys, if you ever felt alone, you ever felt, man, I'm the only one struggling with this, that's not the case. More people are struggling with the same thing than you realize. And there are people that are all around us that are struggling with the same kind of stuff. And this is why we need to be aware, be watchful, be paying attention. And one of the things that is a prerequisite to being able to be 
uh, able to ha have a sober mind is to have a humble mind. Because if you, if you go back up just one verse in that text, in verse uh, 6 and 7, it says this, listen. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. You must humble yourselves first before you can get anywhere. You come in humble into the presence of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you. He does the exalting. You don't. And then casting all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Then, when you cast all of your cares on Him, then you can be sober-minded enough to pay attention to what's going on around you. Say, oh, Ah, I see the enemy. There he is. He's trying to take me out. I'm not going to let that happen. Why? Because I'm sober-minded. I know what's going on around me. So I'm going to resist him. I'm going to stand firm in my faith, according to verse 9. I'm going to resist him, and I'm going to stand firm in my faith, knowing that all these things are happening in the same places around the world, all over the same. These things are happening. And after that, verse 10, listen to this. I love this. And after you have suffered a little while. So guess what? Suffering is going to be part of the Christian journey. It's part of the, it's part of the Christian journey. I, I'm telling you what we need to do is we need to focus on this. Look at this. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. How mighty and beautiful and powerful and great is that word? Guys, we need to get our eyes off of our sin. We got to need to get our eyes off of ourselves and get focused in on Christ. Look to Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith and see him as all-sufficient. See him as more than enough. He's the one that it matters. And when you humble yourself before him, this is what happens. Yes, there's going to be some suffering because guess what? We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken culture. We live in a broken state. This is what happens. You're going to suffer a little while. It didn't say a long while. It said a little while. And then God will step in at just the right time. And he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. How amazing does that make our God? That he loves us that much that he steps into your life, he steps into my life and he says, Caleb, I love you. I've loved you for, from the, before the foundations of the world. I knew who you were and I love you and I shed my blood for you and I, I've atoned for your sins and I've redeemed and reconciled you and now I'm going to confirm that you're mine. You're mine. And then I'm going to give you strength and then I'm just going to establish you in the kingdom. Now that will preach. That we get established in the kingdom with our heavenly father? Whoa! Like, that should cause us to get a little excited. That should cause us to be ever mindful of the enemy around us. And we, this should cause us to be sober-minded, to be, say, say to ourselves, you know what? Huh. Because I know where I'm going. I know, where my, I know that I'm established in God's kingdom. I'm going to be looking around to see where the, the cheap shot comes in. The enemy's got a cheap shot trying to take me out. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No way. I'm not going to let any kind of sin. I'm not going to let sexual sin. I'm not going to let 
greed, pride, arrogance, whatever. I'm not going to let that stuff come into my life. I'm going to stand firm in my faith, and I'm going to tell the devil where he can go. <laughs> come on. Because you have the power because of what God did on your behalf. Guys, I'm telling you, we're not fighting for victory. The victory's already been won. We're, we're fighting from victory. God's already overcome. God did all the work on the cross. And so because of what God did on the cross, you and I are established. You and I are strengthened. You and I can walk like kings and queens because that's exactly who we are. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for giving us your word. God, help us to be mindful of the sin around us. When we stumble into, when, when we fall into a pit of sin, Father, may we see what it is, be mindful of it, repent quickly and run from it. May we be like Joseph and we run out of our shirt if necessary to get away from sexual sin. That we'll do everything and anything in our power to get out of the wake of the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. I pray this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.